Hey, what's up, and welcome to Game Positive. Uh, first off, I just want to say I'm sorry that this episode's a little bit late. I just had a lot going on uh, this weekend with some extra work I needed to take care of, and I kind of felt like I was getting really behind on some games. I really wanted to try to push through a game that I was almost finished, uh, so I kind of <laughs> played too many games and, and didn't really have enough time to record. It worked out, though, because some really big news kind of came out uh, in that time, and I have a chance to feature it in today's episode. So without further ado, let's just get started. Uh, first off, I want to talk quickly about what I'm playing. Uh, I just finished Jedi Fallen Order, which is the game I was talking about a second ago. Uh, that game is really, really, really good. As a Star Wars fan, I really loved it, especially the end. I won't spoil it, but it draws inspiration from uh, one of my favorite Star Wars movies and its ending, and it pulls it off really, really well. I definitely recommend checking that out. I'll probably talk a lot more about that game uh, down the road. Uh, after that, I picked up Control because it was featured uh, heavily in the PS5 reveal uh, to have some Alan Wake tie-ins. Uh, I really liked Alan Wake, so I wanted to start Control. It's a game I kind of missed uh, when it came out. There was just a lot of other stuff that came out around it, uh, but I'm really happy with it. I, I really, really like it. It's very well uh, done in terms of its like aesthetic and style, especially like the user interface. And uh, I think it's the first time that Remedy really, really nailed uh, the gameplay aspect. The gameplay in, in Remedy games has always been fun. Max Payne obviously was a standout, but uh, the story is kind of really what, what pushed those games forward. And in Control, the story is just as strong as you'd expect, but the gameplay is really, really good. I also uh, picked up Skyrim Special Edition because uh, there's a, there's a, the first thing I'll talk about in the news kind of explains why I picked it up. But uh, also... Um, as like a pretty hardcore gamer, I guess I would just consider myself to be, I've never actually finished Skyrim. There's kind of a weird story when Skyrim came out. It came out it, like where I was anyway in Canada. Uh, it came out on Remembrance Day and everything was closed except for like kind of a mom and pop local game store. And uh, I didn't realize this was going to happen until a few days leading up to release. So when I called them to see if I could pre-order... Um, for me and my cousin, because we were both like huge fans of Oblivion and, and, and Morrowind. But uh, they said they only had one copy available for uh, Xbox. And we both obviously like had Xbox 360s at the time. Uh, but they did have copies for a PS3. So me being like the nice guy that I am, I let my cousin have the 360 copy. And I had a PS3, so I took the PS3 copy. Um, the PS3 version, like, first of all, at that time, I was really not like into PlayStation at all. I had like no friends with PlayStation. I, I only really got it cause it was like a clearance item and it was like a really cheap Blu-ray player. Um, and the game itself was like really buggy on PlayStation. So not only was I disconnected from the ecosystem that I, I enjoyed so much, like my, one of my favorite memories of Oblivion was kind of me and my friend both got it at midnight uh, from Blockbuster and we both went in a private chat. We both played at the same time and we were both like like getting our minds blown at the same time with all the different things we've seen. Like he would be like, oh my God, look at this cave over here. It's like, oh sweet, look what I found over here. And I couldn't do that on PlayStation because like I didn't have PS Plus or a mic for a Bluetooth headset that you needed for PS3, which is kind of lame. I didn't have any friends anyway, so that wouldn't have mattered. Uh, and then on top of that, there was the save bugs and it didn't perform well on PlayStation. So it kind of drew me out and I, I really didn't get that far. Um, I did grab it on 360 like several years later uh, when it was on sale. But at that point, like 
I was kind of redoing stuff I had already done on PlayStation. And when I did end, end up getting it, it was like actually pretty close to next gen. Uh, I think actually in my during my playthrough, uh, Xbox One came out. And so and the games weren't backwards compatible then. So I really never beat Skyrim. But I, I am absolutely in love with Morrowind and Oblivion. I 100%ed Oblivion and I played the, so much Morrowind. Like Morrowind, uh, I remember distinctly like renting that game from Blockbuster like double digits like probably 20 times i remember every single time on the way home like reading the manual like like reading all the, all the races trying to plan my character i probably went from like level one to ten like and did the same route through uh Nien and through belmora like so many times and just figured oh actually i want to change this one little aspect of my character so i'll just restart because i was a kid right i had no job or no real i didn't really care about school so i kind of had so much time to play games and I just, I just love Morrowind. I loved Oblivion and it really sucks that I never really played Skyrim. So, uh, getting into the news now, Skyrim, uh, was actually on sale because of QuakeCon where they also announced that, uh, in, uh, when the series X comes out, sorry, they're going to actually have series X patches for both doom eternal and elder scrolls online. Uh, doom eternal was one of my favorite games I've played so far this year. And they announced a new, campaign chapter like dlc chapters coming out which looks really cool uh but eso is also another game that is actually like surprisingly good it's probably one of the best mmorpgs it's definitely one of the it definitely is the best console mmorpg right now however uh it just runs really poorly on the original xbox one uh even the series x like the series x has a higher resolution but the issue is that the fov is really tight and the frame rate is really all over the place uh, playing briefly on PC, it you can tell it's just night and day different game. Even playing on PC with the controllers is really, really good. So if they can match that quality on the Xbox Series X, I'm definitely going to jump into ESO. There's so much content there, and it is actually a fantastic game. So I'm hoping to kind of 100% uh, Skyrim, even though I know that's a big ordeal. But at least at least chip away at Skyrim, like take a huge chunk out of Skyrim before Series X comes out, and then uh, jump into Elder Scrolls Online with the Series X patch and see how that goes. Uh, next item on the news. Uh, sorry, I kind of just phased right into this without really announcing I was doing news, but I am in the news section now. Um, next item on the news report is that the Xbox era uh, Discord actually launched a forum, which is uh, really, really awesome. Like for those who don't know, Xbox era is kind of like a segmented uh, group of people that kind of branched away from uh, uh, Reset era. Reset era is like I don't know. I don't want to say it's like an elitist gaming forum, but it is a gaming forum that is uh, significantly more, um, I guess, hardcore gamers go there versus like Twitter or in some cases even Reddit. Like it's a gaming community that's built up of people that are like really passionate and like know a lot about uh, the intricacies of video games and and uh, like the business side of things as well. However, on Reset Era, it's like very skewed towards uh, the, the, I guess, the most popular platforms, which are right now are PC and PlayStation. So the Xbox representation on that forum is uh, is pretty low. And like, it is still the internet. It is still uh, an anonymous forum for the most part. So like people will say and do like pretty dumb stuff on there. Uh, and because Xbox is technically the minority group in terms of its representation, they get picked on a lot, which uh, is something that the people that branched off and created Xbox era like experienced. And Xbox era has become like a really, really awesome community for Xbox gamers on the discord. And they also have a, an amazing podcast. If you like this podcast, you'll definitely like the reset era or sorry, the Xbox era podcast. 
uh, it's fantastic. But the forum they launched is great because it, it, it's a more organized way for everybody that was in the Discord to kind of have those discussions about games. And if you haven't uh, heard of it or something that you'd be interested in, I definitely recommend signing up. It is a pretty um, small group. So you will, really, real, bleh, sorry, you will really stand out there and uh, you'll really have some interesting conversations and maybe meet some friends and, and find some people to group up with uh, and play some games because like, obviously they all play Xbox games, which is great. Uh, also in the news, Fall Guys uh, launched on PlayStation and PC and it was an insane success. Uh, I believe like this is these might figures might be slightly off, but I believe that uh, it hit a million or two million, I believe, players in one week, which is something that took Rocket League uh, two months to do. So if and they have very similar origin stories, Rocket League launched on PC, but also was free with PlayStation Plus. Same with Fall Guys. So that type of engagement right away is huge. I played the game on PlayStation uh, with PS Plus, and it is like very, very, very fun. It's definitely uh, the most unique take on the battle royale genre. Uh, it's it's like almost like a party game. It's very, very fun. It's not like a game that you're gonna go like super sweat mode in and be like super competitive. But it is a game that is just you're going to lean back in your chair and just have a blast with your friends. It's so hilarious and it's very, very simple, but very, very fun. It's extremely well executed. There was some network issues, I guess, but I mean, it's an indie game. It's a small group of people and it was a massive, massive flood of people that came into it at launch. Uh, From what I understand, all of that is resolved now. So uh, definitely check it out if you can. They haven't announced that it's coming to Xbox, but they did say that they are interested in interested in bringing it to other platforms so i would suspect that you'll see that on xbox at some point uh however when it comes out i don't know otherwise it's on steam right now and on playstation definitely recommend checking that out uh and some huge huge news for anyone that's a fan of dc is uh rocksteady actually announced that their next game that they're working on is a suicide squad game that is similar i guess in scope or scale to the marvel avengers game where it's a shared world suicide squad game you're supposed to be. They're supposed to announce more at DC Fandom. Uh, there are some people that will, are probably disappointed because they wanted another Arkham game. However, there is a huge, huge rumor uh, that it's almost it's all but confirmed based on what has leaked that WB Montreal is actually going to be making a uh, an Arkham game that's centered around the Court of Owls storyline, which is a fantastic uh, graphic novel if you haven't read it. But uh, and those are the people that made uh, Arkham Origins, which, in my opinion, is like really underrated. Uh, I know that it, it took some flack because uh, there was a, a big emphasis on multiplayer. I have a feeling that the multiplayer mode was kind of mandated by the publisher uh, because, like, like obviously, publishers want to make the most money. And at the time, multiplayer games were making the most money. So any game that they could shoe in a multiplayer game, they did. It wasn't just Batman that did it. There's a lot of titles that did that. Uh, obviously, that didn't work. The publishers aren't going to make the same mistake twice. So uh, I have high hopes for that game as well. And we could see more uh, about that at DC Fandom, which I, it takes place at the end of August. I, I forget the exact date. I think it's not, uh, I think it's three weeks from now, like the very end of the last weekend of August. Uh, maybe the 24th is kind of sticking on my head. I'll have to double check that and I'll get back to you. But uh, you'll also see a lot of reveals for the DC movies and comics. Everything DC is going to get covered there. Hopefully we see a trailer for Robert Pattinson's Batman movie. I'm pretty hyped about that. But anyways, last item on the news report, uh, PlayStation had a um, state of play event where they announced a lot of games. Almost everything they announced was multi-platform. Uh, so it's going to be coming to Xbox and PC. 
Um, I'm not going to go over every single game they announced, but uh, some of the highlights for me was the gameplay they showed for Crash Bandicoot 4 looked fantastic. It uh, looks like it's more of the same, but the changes that they did make are really good in my opinion. If you aren't a fan of Crash Bandicoot, probably aren't going to be hyped for this game. But if you are, which a lot of people are fans of Crash Bandicoot, then this is definitely what we asked for or what we wanted. They showed more Hitman 3. Uh, not really any gameplay, but they did announce that there's going to be VR components for Hitman 3 for PSVR. Uh, as well as VR components that apparently are going to work for Hitman 1 and 2, like the new trilogy of Hitman games. Uh, they announced Braid Anniversary Edition, which is awesome. Braid was... Braid was probably the first like Xbox Live Arcade game that really kind of broke the mold. Like originally when S Xbox Live Arcade came out, uh, you essentially were getting like ports of like old arcade games. Like there was like Centipede or old PC games that had like the original Doom and Doom 2 on there. But Braid was, and there was original games as well, but Braid was the first kind of like original IP that launched only on Xbox Live Arcade. And I, um, it probably was on PC as well. But in terms of consoles, it launched directly into Xbox Live Arcade and was like a runaway critical darling. Like I personally love the game. The puzzle mechanics are amazing with how it uses time reversal and stuff like that. And it's kind of, um, it's like pays homage to Mario with some of uh, its messaging and, and its, its aesthetic. It's a fantastic game. Not a lot of people probably played it because at the time Xbox Live Arcade wasn't huge. Like if you can imagine a world where people just bought everything on discs and downloadable games were very unpopular. Uh, that's kind of where Braid launched, but the anniversary edition is launching in a new generation of consoles, a new generation of gamers where everyone expects everything to be digital. So hopefully it gets more exposure because that's a fantastic, uh, side scrolling puzzle game. Uh, they showed more bug snacks gameplay, which, uh, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of the gameplay, but to be honest, uh, it doesn't matter because like the game itself conceptually is just so weird that I just have to try it. And the song is just so catchy that like I just have to play it, especially with my daughter who just loves the the Bug Snack song. Uh, they also showed that Auto Chess is coming to consoles uh, for the first time. I'm surprised it took this long, but Auto Chess is one of the most popular money making machines in terms of mobile gaming. Uh, it has actually a big uh, presence on PC as well. It's not necessarily for me, but I know that it has a huge audience, so a lot of people are going to be happy to see that's most likely going to be free to play as well. Hopefully there's some uh, some easy achievements to grab there because I am a addicted to achievements, uh, which I'm ashamed to say. They also said that uh, Temtem's coming to consoles, which is like a Pokemon game with actual depth. It's a Pokemon game that's not reliant on a license. It's reliant on fun gameplay. So if you are a fan of Pokemon, uh, Temtem is definitely something you want to check out. And then they ended the conference with showing more gameplay from Godfall, uh, which looked okay. Um I think this is one of the bigger games that they're kind of focusing on for the launch of the PlayStation 5. I was kind of hoping it was going to be like a like a 3D or third person like Melee Destiny game, but I I I don't think anything is really going to be like a Destiny game. Every game that like comes out like Anthem or Marvel's Avengers or in this case Godfall that I I hope will be like a Destiny clone. It never actually is because like Destiny has like three main pillars uh, that like you have to hit in order to kind of exist in the same plane as destiny. And those pillars are like a fun loot game and fun combat, which a lot of games do have, but also a PVP component where you can take that loot that you earn and that you work so hard to gain and use it uh, in an arena against other players, as well as like pinnacle PVE components 
that rely on both skill, loot, and mechanics. Whereas games like Diablo, those like high-end kind of PvE mechanics, uh, or games like uh, Anthem, or games like what seems like Godfall is going to be like, uh, or Marvel's Avengers, those high-level PvE components, those are just like the same stuff that you do generally but the enemies have more health and they do more damage you don't get like the destiny raid experience and i think raiding in destiny and pvp in destiny are what separate it from everything that comes out that i think is going to compete with it and godfall looks like a lot more like diablo than it does destiny from that regard so uh my excitement for that game kind of dropped a little bit it does it definitely looks like a really polished game from what I understand, it's made by a relatively small studio, so what they're able to accomplish is fantastic. Definitely plan on checking it out, um, especially if it's free to play. I don't know if pricing was was announced yet or not, but uh, my launch plans really haven't changed for consoles, so I, I won't have a PS5 at launch. I'll probably get that next year when Horizon comes out, but uh, I might check it out on Epic Games or on PC and see, see what it's all about. But uh, yeah, that's kind of it for the news. So... Uh, I have two kind of major topics to talk about uh, for the main portion of the show. Um, the first one is about Marvel's Avengers. So if you follow my YouTube channel at all, you know that I'm pretty excited about this game. Um, I definitely am a DC fan uh, more so than Marvel, but I do love the MCU and I, I just love superheroes in general. Uh, and I am really excited about this game. But uh, there was some news that came out. I, I mean, at this point, it's it's relatively old news. This is just kind of the first time I talked about it on a podcast. But uh, they announced that Spider-Man is going to be coming to the game uh, next year, 2021, but it's going to be exclusive to PlayStation. Uh, PlayStation doesn't own the Spider-Man IP for video games at all, but they do have the uh, marketing rights for Marvel's Avengers. Like That's a deal that they negotiated with Marvel and Square Enix. Uh, to have like the right to to kind of have the marketing aspects of this game and that's something that xbox does as well like uh, for example xbox has the marketing rights for assassin's creed so when assassin's creed reveals its gameplay trailer it's they do it at the xbox show or if you see a commercial for assassin's creed on tv at the end of the commercial it's going to have the xbox logo even though the game will still come out on playstation and you can still play it if you're a playstation owner or a playstation fan or whatever um, however, Sony is doing it a little bit different because they are basically taking things that the developers are making for the game and paying to exclude people on Xbox or people on PC from playing it, which is insane, in my opinion. Um, I think it's such a bad thing for the game uh, from all points of view. So from the point of view of the or actually, sorry, I shouldn't say that. There is one point of view where it benefits people, and that is uh, it benefits uh, Marvel. Marvel's going to get a lot of money from Sony. That's, And that's where the benefits stop. So contrary to popular belief, I don't believe that this benefits Sony at all. Everything that's been talked about in, in this from the media perspective and from the perspective of like a non-fanboy, like average gamer is that this is a bad look for Sony. It makes them look bad. It's anti-consumer. That phrase has been tossed around a lot. And I don't think that uh, that cost that they pay in terms of their public image, I don't think that results in more sales. 
like sh- i mean from like a wide scale level so there are people out there like specifically like maybe influencers or just like people that are like really 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 passionate about games or really 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 affluent where they have all the consoles their friend groups have all the consoles and or pcs and something like this could come up and that could influence where they and their friend group are going to ultimately play the game because they or they could just get it on all platforms and be able to jump wherever they want because that's just kind of how they experience games in general but that group of people is very 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 small there's people out there that have um multiple consoles and a pc like i have a ps4 pro an xbox one x and a I would say maybe a mid-tier gaming rig. It's nothing special. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to like easily be able to flip where I play a multi-platform multiplayer game because I have friends that I play these games with just like everybody else. And those friends don't all have every console and a PC. Um, most of them don't have a, PS, a PS4 or a PS4 Pro. So if even just one of them doesn't have it, that means that all of us are going to be playing on Xbox. So like the decision of where anyone's going to be playing this game was made like well before this news came out and there isn't really any news that's going to change that for like 99% of people that are playing the game. So these extra sales that they're apparently paying for by by giving money to prevent other people from experiencing aspects of the game, I don't think they exist. I think the game was going to sell well regardless because it's a Marvel property and it looks to be a relatively good game. Um beta impressions aside a lot of people are experiencing issues with the beta but it looks to be a relatively good game it's a huge huge ip probably one of the biggest ips in the world it's going to sell really really well and the playstation has the biggest market share in terms of consoles so it's going to sell more copies on playstation just passively without sony having to do anything and then if you add in the the marketing like the the marketing contract even if it was just trailers and stuff the stuff that microsoft does that that's going to boost stuff as well and not give you any negative publicity. That group of people, that 1% of people that have the ability to kind of flip-flop between uh, whatever console they want there and their, them and their friend group want to play on. There's also a small group of people who will, will have that ability, see this type of news and, and actively not get it on PlayStation because they don't want to support that type of activity. So those two groups probably cancel each other out. And then what we're left with is the people that already decided a long, long time ago where they were going to buy this game. I decided that I'm going to buy Marvel's Avengers on Xbox in like November 9th, 2004, because that's when Halo 2 came out. That's when all of my friends like became super passionate about playing games. And that's where all of us uh, basically continued to play games on Xbox together. Like we've been doing it since then. And that Spider-Man being exclusive to PlayStation isn't going to change anything. Um, Monster Hunter World getting um, Aloy from uh, from Horizon. I thought that was really cool, uh, but I definitely wasn't going to buy the game on PlayStation because of that, even though that's way less significant than Spider-Man. So anyways, the, these imaginary sales that, that Sony thinks is going to gain them, I don't think it's really going to equate to much, especially it's not what they would have had to spend to to do this in the first place. Um, and the gamers, like you might think, well, PlayStation gamers win because they get Spider-Man. No, they don't win. Because what's going to happen is it's going gonna, it's gonna to mute Spider-Man. It's going to make it so that his impact in the game is, is very small because it has to be contained in that PlayStation bubble. Um, 
and you're just not going to get like the full impact that you would if, if it was multi-platform. This this kind of thing has been proven multiple times. If you look at Destiny, the the PlayStation version of Destiny had exclusive guns like Hawkmoon, uh, had exclusive strikes and PvP maps, but those strikes could never be Nightfalls, which is the best way to play a strike. Those guns could never be sold by Xur, which is the way that the majority of people got exotics reliably. And those PvP maps could never be in trials because and which is like the pinnacle of PvP where like that's like the, the absolute height of PvP in that game. Those maps got muted, those strikes got muted, and those guns got muted for those reasons. And the PlayStation gamers ended up suffering because of that. So Spider-Man, there's no way that Spider-Man is going to be part of the major like overall story arc. His his kind of uh involvement with the game is going to be isolated to a specific storyline which obviously is going to be fun like playing spider-man is going to be fun but his, like his involvement in the overall game is going to be muted because of this and he, like a lot of the post-launch qa and post-launch kind of balancing that happens the amount of people that are playing as spider-man are cut by two-thirds so that's way less feedback that that character is going to get, which could lead to way less balancing and things that could improve the gameplay of that character. They're definitely not going to have Spider-Man be like the most OP character because when different groups of gamers start like competing for like world's first, like beat this super hard challenge, whatever the end game ends up being, they're not going to give PlayStation players like a super huge advantage. If Spider-Man comes out and he's super strong, he's going to instantly get nerfed in the ground because it's not fair for those type of competitions that will happen those things happen with all these types of games so yeah it's not good for the gamers and it's definitely not good for for the developers either because they're the ones that are going to have to put up with the community shitstorm that this is bringing um this type of negative rhetoric is going to follow the game forever until this decision gets reversed and uh, anyone in the company that in, at um Crystal Dynamics, that's community-facing, anytime they reveal anything, anytime they tweet about an update for the game, anytime they have a live stream for the game, all they're going to see in the comments is people complaining about Spider-Man. Um, the developers at Crystal Dynamics that aren't community-facing, anytime that they work on an update or when they release the game and they go online to check, see how people are reacting to the, the work that they've put months and years into, they're going to constantly see people complaining about Spider-Man. Like, it's just going to follow them. And yeah, that's not fun. Like, that's not what they want. So really, it doesn't imp like it doesn't have any positive impact on anything other than Marvel's pockets, which is like horrible. <laughs> like, it's bad. It's bad from any angle, uh, any angle that matters to any gamer or any game developer. Um, so with that being said, like, I'm still teetering on whether or not I should even get the game. I definitely want to support the developers. And I honestly, I'm leaning towards getting it on Xbox. Um, partially because I want to support the developers. But if I'm being completely honest with you, the, the main reason is because I pre-ordered it early and I got a discount for doing so. So I'm saving like 20 bucks off the cost of it, which is probably what the sale price is going to be down the road when I end up picking it up anyway. So like... If I had pre-ordered at full price, I don't know if I would have kept it. Like, this is really bad. Spider-Man is a huge character. He's the most popular character in Marvel. And yeah, it's, it's just really, really bad. Um, there was actually an interview that was done, or that I, it was done by, I think, a couple of websites. It might have been a roundtable interview. But I seen it posted on XboxAchievements.com. 
And I just want to quickly read to you uh, some of these quotes here that kind of double down or reinforce kind of what I was saying. Uh, so this question came from the sixth axis. Uh, they said, Spider-Man PS4 exclusivity has garnered an intensely negative reaction. I'm wondering if that was a surprise to you and whether you have anything to say uh, to those that are particularly aggravated by that exclusivity. And this uh, response is coming from Square Enix, a representative of Square Enix. Uh, they said, yeah, I mean, the thing with Spider-Man is a very delicate situation. It's a above us in terms of the relationship. It's a Marvel and Sony relationship. We really don't have much to say in that regard. We are excited about putting our version of Spider-Man and having that version of Spider-Man live in our world, which is very crucial for us that Spider-Man belongs to the Marvel Avengers world and the world dominated by AIM. AIM is like the antagonist in the game. Other than that, I can say that Spider-Man will have his own story, his own story arc, villains that may accompany it and live in this world. For the time being, that's probably all I can say on it. And then WCCF Tech uh, asked, are you going to be limited in how you're portraying Spider-Man in the overarching story due to the PlayStation exclusivity? And somebody uh, again responded, I think they're from Square Enix as well. He chimed in and he said, to clarify, Spider-Man is in addition to the arc and the progression of the main story. There is no swapping or anything else. We've got our plan. We've got our heroes that are coming out. The stories, the challenges, and the gameplay escalation that we've planned out, that's all continuing. And on top of all of that stuff, we've also got Spider-Man now. And weaving him into the story is the key. There is no swapping or changing anything to accommodate that. He's got to fit within this massive plan and all of that stuff we've already got. Spider-Man is sort of like a cherry on top, but doesn't affect or change the story in any way. End quote. So that kind of confirms two of the things I said. It confirms, one, that this situation is above the developer's head. It's a Marvel and Sony relationship. What they mean, they don't, what they mean by that is not that Sony owns Spider-Man for video games, because some people do think that. What that means is Sony went to Marvel and said, how much money do we have to give you to not let Xbox and PC players use Spider-Man in this game? And Marvel gave them a number, and they gave that amount of money to Marvel. That's what that relationship is. Uh, it's a one-time thing. It's not something that affects Spider-Man in the future for all video games. I mean, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is out on Nintendo Switch, and Spider-Man's on the front cover of that game, and that game's exclusive to Switch. So Sony doesn't own the character. They just simply gave a truckload of money to Marvel, uh, and Marvel had no issues with with uh, damaging it, the fans' experience, as long as they got a bunch of money. And the other thing that that kind of confirms is the end of that last quote where he says, Spider-Man is sort of like a cherry on top, but it doesn't affect or change the story in any way. Which means that Spider-Man is kind of an auxiliary experience, which doesn't affect the main story in any way. So Spider-Man's involvement with the overall story arc is going to be muted because they can't have two branching stories, one where Spider-Man is a central figure to the plot on PlayStation, and then one where the rest of the Avengers kind of do their uh, do something different on Xbox and PlayStation. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the main thing there. It's really really bad. It's a horrible decision. Uh, I feel really bad for the developers because they're the ones that are going to take all of the heat for this. I have barely seen anyone say anything bad about Marvel, who are basically enabling this by telling Sony that they, it is possible. 
I see very little complaints going towards Sony, um, even though Sony is probably the one that initiated this conversation in the first place. Uh, I see some people saying, oh, like Xbox should pay for their own exclusive character, which is really dumb in my opinion. Um, that just kind of makes the problem even worse. Phil Spencer has said time and time and again that he doesn't want to pay for exclusion, which is uh, the right stance. Like he's on the right side of this. And I think that, I hope that in some way, that there's some way where the developers uh, can still come out on top and that the negative backlash that happens from this is kind of the last shot fired in kind of this war against exclusion. And that this kind of, I hope people keep bringing it up. I hope people keep complaining about it um, so that this doesn't happen again. So yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, the next topic though is quite a big one. Um, this is kind of a blessing in a sense that I waited or delayed the podcast because this kind of just came out yesterday. And that is that Halo Infinite has been delayed until 2021. Uh, I'm going to quickly just read 343 statement on this. They said, today I want to share an important Halo Infinite development update with the community. And by they, I mean this is Chris Lee, the studio head. He said, we have made the difficult decision to shift our release to 2021 to ensure the team has adequate time to deliver a Halo game experience that meets our vision. The decision to shift our release is a result of multiple factors that have contributed to development challenges, including the ongoing COVID-related impacts affecting us all year. I want to acknowledge the hard work our team at 343 Industries, who have remained committed to making a great game and finding solutions to development challenges, However, it is not sustainable for, for the well-being of our team or the overall success of the game to ship it this holiday. We know this will be disappointing to many of you, and we share that sentiment. The passion and support the community has shown over the years has been incredible and inspiring. We wanted nothing more than to play our game with the community this holiday. The extra time will let us finish the critical work necessary to deliver the most ambitious Halo game ever at the quality we know our fans expect. So there's not a single Halo fan out there who's not disappointed by this, just as much as I'm sure there's not a single developer at 343 or a single executive at Microsoft who's also uh, not disappointed by this. This is obviously disappointing. Um, everybody kind of wanted to play Halo this holiday. The fact that uh, this new Xbox console was launching with a new Halo game uh, and closing that five-year gap between Halo 5 and now uh, was honestly like the apex in why people were really excited about the Series X. It was like the, the top of the mountain in terms of their uh, marketing campaign. It was like the crux of this whole Cinderella story that Xbox fans have been brewing, brewing up since uh, its reveal. Um, They're hoping that this kind of brings us back to the roots of the original Xbox because obviously there was a lot of issues with this whole generation uh, of the Xbox one. And as, honestly, like at a more micro level, it's, it's a, a, was seen as kind of like a rebirth uh, for Halo because obviously like the Halo community is very torn on Halo four and Halo five. Uh, and they really wanted to go back to their roots. And even just from the initial, initial tease, they kind of showed that that's what they're doing when, where they showed how they changed the art style. Uh, this whole thing of just launching the Series X with Halo Infinite was just a massive, massive deal. And it was kind of like, like I said, like the biggest reason why people were excited about getting an Xbox One X uh, in November. But I am going to tell you here um, why this is actually a good thing. 
Uh, some of these are pretty obvious, but I do want to kind of talk about why this is definitely a good thing. So first and foremost, the disappointment that you feel right now is is fleeting. You won't be thinking about how you feel today uh, in 2021 when the game launches. So this feeling will go away. Uh, there's a famous quote from uh, Miyamoto, the basically the father of Mario, where he says, a delayed game is eventually good, but a rushed game is bad forever. Now, obviously, nowadays, there's like patches and stuff, so games can be fixed over time. But if a game launches in a bad state now, uh, the majority of people think it's bad forever. Like, look at Destiny 1. Destiny 1 had issues at launch. They definitely fixed um, all, if not all of those issues, most, if not all of those issues. Uh, but not everybody came back because of their experience at launch. Um, so the quote still stands today. Uh, look at Halo 4, for example. Imagine if when Halo 4 came out, instead of the game launching, they launched a extensive multiplayer beta where they showcased all of the, the changes to Spartan loadouts and ordnance and the community reacted the way that they reacted to it at launch where they said that they didn't like that stuff and it wasn't part of Halo. And then they spent several months uh, let's say six months, uh, fixing that, removing it from the game and, and reacting to that community feedback and, and basically creating a better game in a sense, like spending more time, uh, on the game to make sure that it meets the community standard. And six months later, the Xbox one launches and Halo four is a launch title for that. Imagine how much that not only changes Halo four. I think that Halo four goes down as being an insanely good Halo game because the campaign itself was all already really good but they would have had a multiplayer beta or been able to like kind of fine tune the multiplayer. And if that was also really good, I think Halo 4 like moves up the charts in terms of its ranking in, in the Halo ranking list. And also that's a huge benefit to Xbox because Xbox One has a launch title that is like leaps and bounds above everything else that it launched with like in, in the real timeline as well as better than anything that launched on PlayStation uh, 4. So using that as an example, like it's a lot better to be disappointed by news that you get in a tweet now than to be disappointed by the actual game that launches, um, which is probably the main reason why it's being delayed. Um, the Xbox game showcase where they revealed Halo uh, obviously had a lot of negative feedback. Like I'm sure that when Microsoft planned a while ago to reveal the games, the game's gameplay, at this showcase, or I guess initially it would have been an E3 thing before COVID happened. They wanted it to be the showpiece of Xbox One. They wanted everybody to be talking about how amazing it looked and showing that this is next gen. And had that would have happened, they would have been in this amazing position because really there's nothing on the PlayStation that really screams next gen either. They don't even have a real AAA game other than Ratchet & Clank that's launching. And Ratchet and Clank looks fantastic, but its art style is more cartoony, so it's not necessarily a showpiece for for graphics for the next gen. If Halo would have kind of done what they wanted it to do, um, it would have would have been changing the story dramatically. Instead, uh, it didn't look as good as it's supposed to, and I have, think a lot of that has to do with with the impact that COVID has had on the development process, and that kind of changes the story, and that kind of is all people talk about when it comes to Xbox and Halo. And that's bad enough uh, as a response leading up to a console launch. But if the game launched and that was people's reaction to it and to the console, that's like a death blow. 
So as bad as it is to A, show the game in an unfinished state where people are not really happy with it and, and it doesn't really showcase the next gen very well, uh, and then B, delaying the game, the negative aspects of that is so much smaller than what would happen if the game launched on the Series X, looked poorly, or didn't represent next gen properly. That just would have been horrible. So this also prevents that from happening. Uh, they had announced before that ray tracing uh, was going to be delayed and come after launch, which was a huge kind of red flag for me because the major issue with what we saw graphically at the Xbox uh, Series X showcase was all to do with lighting, which is exactly what ray tracing would be there to fix. So now that it's delayed, they can properly implement ray tracing and the game should launch in a state where it will blow people's minds in terms of its... Uh, graphical fidelity and really showcase next gen and kind of an understated uh, aspect of this delay is uh, the developers themselves so anytime a game is rushed it's not like uh, I think what a lot of people think happens is that they just decide to stop development and everything that is uh, is done at that point gets shipped and then they'll just fix the rest later which like I get, the part of that is true but what actually happens is the months leading up to that forced launch date, the developers are working like their asses off. They're not working like a seven and a half hour shift, like a nine to five. They're getting up at nine. They're going home at like 11 midnight. And then they're waking up at like six, seven to get to work again for nine. Sometimes they don't even leave the office. They sleep there so that they can save time commuting to put extra time into the game. And it's not just one or two people doing that. It's like hundreds of people that are doing that. And what happens when you do that, like day in, day out, week in, week out, is you obviously aren't happy, especially if you're doing it from home because you're sitting in an office where you're, while your kids are wondering why their father or mother isn't around. You're sitting in an office at home all day. It's You're dealing with like all this pressure. And what will happen is you will kind of lose that passion a little bit that you have for the game. Like that's just a fact. Like if... If this one thing, like this Halo game, is the reason why you have to sleep at an office or work 12-hour days constantly, work every weekend, then you are associating that Halo game with these negative feelings that you have. And if you have a bunch of developers that are losing that passion because they're being overworked, because they're being crunched, and they're being forced to kind of hit this release date, like that's tough. And then when that game comes out and people complain about it because there wasn't enough time, like that makes you even more kind of like resentful for for the property and you really need your developers to be really passionate about the game and really passionate about what they're doing because that's when creative people have their best work like you, you can't just piss everybody off and expect them to uh put forth their best effort and get the best game out of it so that's another aspect of this is developers work life balance is going to be maintained i hope and their passion for the game is going to be strengthened by microsoft's kind of um, decision-making to kind of make this hard decision and, and give them the time that they need. I think that that's going to light a spot. I think that's going to light a, a fire in their hearts, so to speak. And uh, that will end up leading to a better game. Um, with all that being said, uh, I don't think that that means that this November is a complete loss. I know a lot of people's main motivation for getting a series X in November, by the way, they, they did announce that it is coming out in November. I forgot to mention that in the news. But uh, the main reason why people wanted to pick it up in November obviously was for Halo. 
Uh, but there's still a ton of benefits to picking it up in November. First of all, I don't think that the price changes between when it launches in November and when Halo comes out. So I don't think you're necessarily saving any money by waiting. Uh, I think if you were interested in kind of uh, trading in or selling your original Xbox or your, your One X in order to help pay for the Series X, the value of that original Xbox is, is going to continue to go down as you wait for Halo's launch. So it kind of behooves you financially to maybe do that if, if that's the case. Or worst case, you're not really saving anything by not getting it. But anyways, that being said, there's still a ton of uh, gaming reasons why you should still pick it up when it comes out because it's such a massive leap in hardware from what you're currently playing on if you're an xbox gamer uh where the games that you currently play today like say destiny or sea of thieves or gears 5 they're going to look and play so much better uh that it that in itself might might be worth it to you like i know for me personally any game that i can play on my pc i do uh because like sea of thieves for example is Running running Sea of Thieves at 60 FPS with ultra settings is such a massive improvement from playing it on my Xbox, especially if you don't have a One X. Like just getting that resolution bump and the frame rate bump is is totally worth it. Destiny at 60 FPS is a completely different game. I can't, I almost can't even play the game on Xbox anymore after playing it for so much on PC. Because it like that is the vision that the developers had for the game, and you can tell when you play it. It's 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 gonna really blow people's mind, especially where um, the game is gonna be have all the content on Game Pass. I actually know people personally that are haven't played since maybe the launch of Destiny Two that are planning on coming back because of of those improvements to the game on the when they get to Series X. Also, you have new multi-platform games uh, that yes, they're coming out on the current gen, but you have to know that the developers of these games kind of knew the platform that these next-gen consoles were going to have. And because they're launching alongside them in the same kind of few months span, like fall 2020, like they know that a huge part of their marketing is going to be supporting those new platforms. So games like Cyberpunk, Assassin's Creed, uh, the new Call of Duty that we'll probably see announced shortly, uh, Watch Dogs Legion, etc., those games are going to be developed, yes, to work on current gen, but more so to look and play as best as they can on the next gen of consoles. Last year, we had games like Fallen Order, uh, which struggled. Uh, even on a One X, I had some issues, graphic issues and performance issues with, with uh, Fallen Order. On the original Xbox One, it was running at half the resolution that most people's TVs can support. And like four times less the resolution or eight times less the resolution of a 4k tv so significant significant resolution drops and then on top of that they still struggle to maintain 30 frames per second so being able to play those games at a much higher fidelity is, is going to be is going to be worth the price in my opinion uh, after having played some of those games at higher fidelities on pc i can guarantee you that you will you will never go back once you experience something like destiny at 60 frames per second uh, also, there's games that are still coming in holiday 2020 that are exclusive to next gen. Uh, one of the ones I'm the most excited for is the medium because that's going to strategically use the SSDs. Uh, it's going to ship with ray tracing, which I think is going to blow a lot of people's minds when they see how ray tracing works. Uh, then you have games like Scorn and the Ascent. All these are on Game Pass as well, which is fantastic. So you're going to have content to play. It's not Halo, obviously, but you're going to have content to play. Um, and one thing that I think 
I mean, this is there's there isn't even a rumor about this. This is just pure speculation. But one thing that could happen that would kind of wrap all of this stuff together with a nice little bow, all of this next gen stuff that's not Halo Infinite's launch, uh, is launching a wide scale Halo Infinite multiplayer beta at launch of the Series X. Um, they promised after the MCC disaster that there was going to be uh, wide scale um, flighting for all future games. They they've stuck to that promise with everything they've done with MCC since like when they add Halo 3 to PC there's extensive flighting periods and stuff like that so if they were able to uh, to launch the Series X with even if it's a Series X only multiplayer beta then that's huge like I mean it does sound silly like one of my friends told me like it's pretty weird to ask people to spend five six hundred dollars on a new console um, just to play a beta and it is when you say it out loud, but when you think about it, like I would, uh, a lot of Halo fans would, a lot of people would, especially when you add it on top of all the other benefits. It's not just, it's not just that in isolation. You're still getting the improved performance with all your other older games. You're still getting improved performance with new multi-platform games, and there are still exclusive games. But if you have that Halo Infinite multiplayer beta, and that beta is live for several months and constantly updated, um, that's a huge deal. That's a really big deal. Halo 5 had a beta that came out uh, almost a full year before Halo 5 actually launched. And that did a lot of good for the multiplayer of that game. That's why the multiplayer in that game is one of its biggest strengths. But just imagine that. Imagine if Halo Infinite beta, multiplayer beta, launched with the Series X. Like, how cool would that be? Even a single-player beta. Like, maybe play that mission that was that was shown. It's a lot easier to spend the next couple months uh, optimizing um, a multiplayer beta where it's just like maybe two or three maps, like one or two modes, whatever, than it is to like rush to get every aspect of the game out by the fall. So it is technically possible. Uh, we're supposed to see multiplayer footage this month, uh, according to like Phil. So an enough of the multiplayer is finished where they could show a demo, uh, allegedly anyway. Um, we're assuming they're going to show a gameplay demo of multiplayer, not just a trailer, but Either way, I think that's possible, and I think that would do a lot of goodwill uh, for the community. Um, and yeah, that's kind of all I have to say about that for now. I've kind of been talking for a little while. Uh, my throat's getting sore again. Uh, so yeah, those are that's been this episode of Game Positive. Uh, it's been a little bit rough, I know. I, I did this whole thing in one take, so I definitely messed up a lot. But uh, I didn't really have a lot of time to record this because it's currently my lunch break, and I have to get back to work in about 10 minutes, and I still haven't eaten. So I'm going to go do that. I really appreciate anyone who made it this far. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for all your support. Um, hopefully I, I won't be this late on the next episode. Hopefully get that out on Saturday like I, I said I would earlier. But yeah, thanks so much for listening. And uh, I'll see you next time. Remember to have fun out there, guys. Mm -hmm.